0: Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. More than 2,000 years ago, Aristotle used a term that is still in wide use in psychology today. It's called eudaimonia. That's a big mouthful, but and it's a strange word, I, I admit. But it's an interesting word. Eudaimonia, E-U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-A. It refers to a state of deep well-being in which a person feels that their life has meaning and purpose. It's deeper than happiness and more precise. Happiness can be fleeting, but eudaimonia is a feeling that lasts. Scripturally, the term is akin to joy. A new book has been released that I wish everyone would read. It summarizes a study conducted by Harvard researchers over the past 84 years. Yes, you hear me right. 84 years. With a longitudinal study like this, and let me tell you, there are few studies that have been conducted over such a long period of time, but these studies let us get a glimpse into the same person's life over the whole length of their life. We get a picture of them as children, youth, midlife adults, and aging adults. I'm impressed, very impressed, that such a study could be done at all because it takes such a long-term commitment of so many people. But this study has kept on going for over eight decades. I want to share some excerpts from the book because the findings provide such powerful confirmation of what I've written in my book, Filled With His Love. The participants in this study filled out questionnaires and answered lots of questions about their physical health, emotional health, religious practice, and their satisfaction with their life. Now, here's an excerpt from the book. Quote, Through all the years of studying these lives, one crucial factor stands out for the consistency and power of its ties to physical health, mental health, and longevity. Contrary to what many people might think, it's not career achievement, or exercise, or a healthy diet. Don't get us wrong, these things matter a lot. But one thing continuously demonstrates its broad and enduring importance. Good Relationships In fact, good relationships are significant enough that if we had to take all 84 years of the Harvard study and boil it down to a single principle for living, one life investment that is supported by similar findings across a wide variety of other studies, it would be this, good relationships keep us healthier and happier, period, end quote. I cite other studies in my book with similar results, but this study tops them all. It is so thorough and so comprehensive, these researchers did not leave a stone unturned. And two of the researchers who have been directing the study, in their words, quote, are still friends after 30 years. So here's another excerpt. This study shows that people who are more connected to family, to friends, and to community are happier and physically healthier than people who are less well-connected. People who are more isolated than they want to be find their health declining sooner than people who feel connected to others. Lonely people also live shorter lives. So interesting. Sadly, this sense of disconnection from others is growing across the world, about one in four Americans report feeling lonely. More than 60 million people. In China, loneliness among older adults has markedly increased in recent years, and Great Britain has appointed a minister of loneliness to address what has been, become a major public health challenge. These are our neighbors, our children, ourselves. There are myriad social, economic, and technological reasons for this, but regardless of the causes, the data could not be clearer. The shadow of loneliness and social disconnection haunts our modern, quote, connected world. End quote. That's the excerpt. It's a powerful excerpt from this book. So, one day, while I was walking across campus at BYU, This excerpt reminded me of this experience. I saw a young man and I said, hi. He was a freshman and I asked how he was enjoying his first year at the university. He said, well, sometimes I feel pretty lonely. He was saying this in the midst of thousands of students on the sidewalk as they went to their next class. When he said he felt lonely, I thought, he might be from a small town and felt overwhelmed by the 35,000 students at BYU. You know how the saying goes, alone in the crowd. So where are you from, I asked. I'm from Orange County in California, he responded. That actually kind of surprised me, because Orange County has about the same population as the entire state of Utah. Has a lot of people. He, He did not grow up in a tiny town. Then he continued, the problem is, I knew people back home. And I, like, I like don't know anybody here. So in the day, so that's end quote. So in the day of social media and everyone friending everyone, he did not have any real friends yet. He felt alone. The researchers who wrote the book, The Good Life, wanted to look back at the midlife years of those who were now 80 and see if they could predict who was going to grow into a happy, healthy octogenarian, and who wasn't. Here's what they concluded. So, we gathered together everything we knew about them at age 50, this is a quote, and found that it wasn't their middle-aged cholesterol levels that predicted how they were going to grow old, it was how satisfied they were in their relationships, the people who were the most satisfied in their relationships at age 50 were the healthiest mentally and physically at age 80. quote. So if we take a look at what Jesus taught when he was here upon the earth, this was also his message. Take care of your relationships. Love one another as I have loved you. Those seven words, love one another as I have loved you, those seven words to me encapsulate all of the Ten Commandments, the whole Gospel. We've got to learn to care for one another, to minister to one another, to love one another. My daughter visited us recently from California. The one who has developed the app called Ubuntu. If you haven't had a chance to listen to my episode where I interviewed her about her app, Boontoo, B-O-O-N-T-O is spelled, I urge you to do that. So we began talking about my grandmother, Bessie, who lost her husband to cancer when he was only 34 years old. My grandmother was pregnant with her fifth child when her husband passed away and never remarried. For her children, losing a father at such an early age was one of those ACEs, or Adverse Childhood Experiences, that we have another episode on. And I know of cases where the loss of a parent has had long-term negative effects on the children. But my father and his siblings went through their entire lives with tremendous resilience and faithfulness. I asked my daughter, so what do you think was the difference? What did my grandma's children grow up? How did they grow up into adulthood and old age with such grace and spiritual and emotional health? How did they do this? She responded, oh, that's easy actually for me. It's because she was surrounded with people who cared about her, people who loved her and took care of her. Her comment reminded me of a long list of names on an old weathered piece of paper I found in my mother's family history box. The list showed how much each member of the priesthood quorum in her ward at that time, at the time of her husband's death, had donated to help my grandmother after her husband Osmond had passed away. The list said things like two dollars and 36 cents, one dollar and 40 cents. Three dollars. five dollars. Just so you know, five dollars in 1925 equates now to 85 dollars. So these donations look small, but back then they weren't, especially considering the average wage in 1925, I looked this up, was roughly $100 a month. So some of these brethren were giving a month's wage to my grandmother. That's a lot of care, a lot of concern. But the story gets even better. After donating all this money to her, they built her a house. Yeah, they built her a home right next to her family home where her parents were still living. The men in the ward dug the foundation and built her home so she would have a place to raise her five children. I spent my first nine years, actually, growing up in that same home Now, this is ministering. This is loving one another. And it had such a far-reaching impact. My grandma raised her children in a sort of cocoon of love. Love from extended family, love from neighbors, love from ward members. She was not alone. She was a single mother her whole life. But she was not alone She died at 94, and hundreds came to her funeral. Sometimes people, when they die at that age, not very many people come because they don't really know them that well, but my grandmother had the stake center mostly filled. She not only raised great kids, she inspired others to be a little more loving, a little more devoted, a little more faithful. That is my hope for all of us, for me and for all of us, that we can be a little more loving, a little more devoted, a little more faithful. And I think that's why so many people came to honor her when she passed away. She inspired them. She somehow made it through life without a husband, raising wonderful children who also became very devoted, faithful followers of Christ. So, I hope this has been helpful to you, and I urge you, if you want to read another book, this is a good read. And we'll see you next time.